Welcome to the Align Nutrition Podcast, a place where eating doesn't get in the way of living. We use science and psychology to move past the challenges you face while healing your relationship to food. I'm your host, Erica Drury, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. For the past 10 years, I've been helping people like you find a happy medium of flow and balance with eating. If solving these issues were easy, you would have figured it out already. Expect to learn a new way. Each week, you'll hear trainings, listen in on mini coaching sessions from people on your same path, and learn from other guest professionals. I'm so glad you've joined me. Hey there, welcome back to the Align Nutrition Podcast. Erica here, checking in with you. You may have noticed I initially started this podcast in August of 2020. We are almost at 70 episodes and the podcast used to be every week and then it's been moving to every other week. And then most recently I decided to drop the podcast to once a month. And the reason for that is that during COVID, I had a lot of extra time and I think feeling disconnected from the world, you know, working with people at a distance and starting the podcast was a real passion project of mine. You know, I hear from a lot of you who might even work with me and you like hearing some of my thoughts on particular topics in between sessions, or some of you like to go back and listen to certain episodes over and over again. I have a really good self-care check-in episode where, you know, a lot of this work is so repetitive and your, you know, the triggers and boundaries episode that I had recently as well. It's seeing where you are in the pattern. It's, it's kind of a long game. And for a long period of time, as you're healing your brain and your body, it can just feel awful. And so having these podcasts are available to you anytime and in any range of topics. But as you know, COVID and things have evolved with COVID, I have just been spending so much time in my work with clients. So much of my week is consumed by meetings with my clients, working with people hour by hour, helping people, coming up with plans, strategies, teaching, educating, supporting. And so I'm a quality over quantity type of person. I wouldn't want to continue to put out podcast episodes that I haven't thought through or researched or, you know, really made sure that they're comprehensive enough to be useful for you. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. And so I hope that's okay with you. And as always, I'm here anytime that you might have ideas on a particular podcast episode that you would like to see or any feedback on certain episodes or if a certain episode made you think of something and have other questions about a particular topic or wondering if I could go deeper on something. I'm so happy to do that. Almost always these episodes are inspired by you, a particular conversation I might have had with a client or something somebody messaged me on Instagram or even, you know, some of my friends and what I'm seeing them go through, uh, trying to pay attention to what's going on in the world as well and really apply them. And so one of the themes that I've noticed lately is a lot of clients that come to me who have tried intuitive eating or felt like intuitive eating did not work for them. Um, Maybe they felt like a failure or they gave up or think intuitive eating sounds amazing. Oh, sure. I would love to not worry about food and just think about what my body needs and, you know, have total peace with that but it just sounds nice and you can't imagine how you would ever get there. And so there's a lot of reasons that intuitive eating uh, might not 
you know, work off the bat. And so I wanted to talk through three of those specifically common barriers to eating intuitively in our episode today. So what this episode is not is looking at essentially myths of intuitive eating. I do have another episode on that. Uh, I think a lot of times we might feel like intuitive eating didn't work for us. Or if you're wondering what is intuitive eating, you know, essentially it's a evidence-based methodology that's aimed at, you know, really uh, healing your relationship to food and your body, whether that's from years of chronic dieting, disordered eating, or, you know, maybe you're coming out of, of eating disorder recovery or whatever, but it's, it's trying to get back to a place where you have that autonomy in your body, you're in touch with your cues, and there's less of those thoughts about food that are ruling our eating decisions. And so if you'd like to understand more of an even advanced deep dive, I have another episode on that. So, you know, today we're going to assume that you um, have a working knowledge of intuitive eating and um, maybe you've tried it or, like I said, uh, been wanting to try it, but it just sounds like um, a pipe dream to you. So, you know, I want to frame out, you know, kind of who I am and how I talk about this with people first. So, you know, in my practice, I am a certified eating disorder dietitian. I'm also certified in intuitive eating. And so the way I think of it is I work with clients on a spectrum of eating concerns. And I'm sharing this with you because, you know, for somebody who is deep in an eating disorder and seeking recovery, intuitive eating might be a goal of theirs. Or, you know, some people might see that as an endpoint to recovery. Other people, you know, remission of their eating disorder symptoms might be a goal or intuitive eating may not feel like something that's accessible and and trying to work towards intuitive eating actually feels like a perfectionistic standard. And that's something that, you know, that they're not capable of at the moment and they need to start somewhere else. And it's not intuitive eating is not you know, for everyone in that way, you know, again, I always hope that people can move towards it because I've seen what it can do for people um, in their lives and their relationships to food and their bodies and really healing from uh, their experiences with food. But again, it's not that you can't you know, have a good life or be a good person or find healing. Um, So it's not this end all be all. And so I I would never want to jump into this conversation, uh, leaving you feel feeling excluded or like your own experience, if it was different from what I'm describing is wrong, because, you know, that's not that's not the case. And it's not really black or white either. Um, Some of this stuff evolves as you continue to work on your relationship to food. And so again, the purpose of this episode is to talk through some specific barriers that I tend to see and step points that you might run into, um, or even again, some things that that you might know and not know. So I've had a lot of clients over the years who've come to me seeking, uh, again, intuitive eating. And and I think we want to first consider how are you taking in information on intuitive eating? Like I said, it's this isn't going to be a myth-busting, myth-busting episode, but if you are primarily learning about intuitive eating through social media posts, oftentimes social media posts can be a wonderful awareness building and introduction to the concepts of intuitive eating, but there's no way that they can really cover the nuances and the the entire model. Um, that's actually how a lot of myths are created, you know, eat whatever you want diet or, or even, you know, kind of calling intuitive eating a diet. So really, I, I, if that is primarily how you've learned about intuitive eating, I would encourage you to seek out the book Intuitive Eating. Uh, the creators are Evelyn Tripoli and Elsie Resch. Uh, they also have a wonderful workbook. 
And then they also have a directory of people that are certified intuitive eating. So it could be a dietitian, it could be a therapist, it could be a health coach, it could be a more lay person who has that certification. And if, if you're able to even consider, you know, working with someone who is certified and, and knows what this process looks like and as it unfolds um, when you're working through it. So if that's possible, that's something that I would always recommend um, when, you know, really thinking about your level of understanding of intuitive eating. I would hate for that to be the reason that it didn't work for you. So, okay, reason number one, you know, again, thinking about barriers or reasons that intuitive eating might not be working for you. Reason number one is if you happen to have an eating disorder or disordered eating or are completely lost on figuring out what your body's needs are. So that may be you if somebody says, you know, just listen to your body or give yourself unconditional permission to eat. Of course, that process is uncomfortable and overwhelming for anybody. But if you've been continuing to attempt this and try this and and you feel like it's always backfiring and, and you've been really giving it to go, then it's possible that, especially if you have been diagnosed with an eating disorder or experienced disordered eating, um, I know a, a diagnosis can be a privilege, but if you, again, identify with even just, I, I wouldn't even know where to start um, when it came to understanding what my body needs. And the reason for that is eating disorders and disordered eating, there are biological components. Uh, they are in a, you know, an essentially an illness um, in the, in the brain. And so that has biological um, and nutritional implications. And so for some of us, intuitive eating may not be available to us because of the level of malnutrition that might exist in our body. And when I say malnutrition, I'm not talking about weight or someone's physical appearance, but just this idea that your body has not been getting enough fuel through a period of semi-starvation over time as it relates to of having had an eating disorder. And, you know, what tends to happen is, you know, when we are place that our body has not been getting enough to eat, our brain is starved. And so we can feel emotionally flooded when we're eating. We can have trouble rewiring some of these thought patterns. And so for you, it might be helpful to work first with a more structured plan to really understand what a recovery meal could look like and healing your body and getting fuel to help support the process of rewiring your brain. And, you know, if you can work with a dietitian that understands eating disorders and intuitive eating, that would be ideal. But, you know, I'm happy to offer a couple tips to, to really get you started. So again, if you have a history of disorder eating or eating disorder, you've tried intuitive eating, and again, that feels like you're jumping off a cliff with no parachute, then really what we want to think about is where you might start. And this does, again, remember this isn't black or white. So you can be thinking about these concepts of intuitive eating without um, you know, practicing them completely. I always think of um, if you were going bowling and you have the bumper lanes that are there, they're just there for you. You may not hit into the bumper, but they're just there kind of protecting you or maybe guardrails on a highway. So, so again, we're thinking about what is a maybe more structured approach that you can start with uh, if your brain has been starved. So, you know, the first thing that you want to think about is eating every three to four hours to heal and restore metabolism. So again, this is recalibrating the body's appetite-based pattern of eating. This can start to tease out physiological cravings to reveal more emotional triggers. What it can do for us is really looking at 
eating more frequently. In fact, there was a study recently that showed of, you know, two days of adjusting mealtimes and eating more frequently, the liver's rhythm shifted forward. And, and so we're seeing our eating become more predictable. The way I think of it is the brain is like the clock that helps our body with like temperature and sleep. Liver is the clock for food metabolism. And so that is part of a larger biological process of being in the fast and the fed state and having these restores of or stores of carbohydrates in your liver to keep your blood sugar steady. So you can see how eating more frequently would help steady the blood sugar and also reset that biological clock so you can get out of some of these more harmful patterns of, of eating and to try to reestablish that regularity with your body and start to heal. The next thing you would want to think about is, again, what's this concept of a recovery meal or an adequate meal or a quote unquote normal meal? It's thinking about all of the food groups. So remember how I said your brain is starved and that an eating disorder or disordered eating is a biological illness. Well, you can't always think straight. You can't always, you're not connected to your body in a way that you may always be able to distinguish these things when you're working on intuitive eating. Again, this is all just in conjunction with practicing some other things. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But you want to think about having these fuel groups to support your brain and body at each meal. So if you notice that you have meals that are not containing multiple sources of carbohydrates, proteins and fats, you know, if you're not looking at a plate and you're not seeing, you know, an entree with a couple sides or a sandwich with a couple sides or portions of rice that are at least the size of a baseball or, you know, a piece of meat that isn't at least the size of your hand or you're not using any cooking oils or fats, we need to think about getting those in your body so that you can help start to think clearly and heal your body. These things can help us. And it's often why seeking intuitive eating, that anxiety, the thoughts, the running things that are going through your head, this disconnection from your body through the neurobiological changes that take place in an eating disorder can really mess with your ability to sense that. So in another way of saying it is that you're in some ways not completely capable of trying intuitive eating at this point if you're needing some of that more structured approach. And that's okay. That is something that is helpful to know and not that you failed at it and that not that you weren't able to do it. It's just temporarily we need to get your body recalibrated and reset and some healing so that you will very quickly be capable of practicing some of these things. So you can also think about permission to eat and trying to not think in so black or white or embracing kind of curiosity and imperfection with some of this stress and anxiety that you might feel around food as you approach this part. Um, But the good news is that you're also doing this repetition and allowing yourself to start to heal and strengthen new connections in our bodies. And the repetition is everything um, in this process. So these guidelines and and structure of understanding your recovery meals, um, you know, they're again, temporary and flexible and simply a jumping off point. So we can still ask ourselves, how did this food feel in my body? Being kind to ourselves when we hear the voices of the food police or the eating disorder, seeking satisfaction with eating and kind of listening to ourselves by choosing foods that we actually want. So that might look like, oh, your eating disorder might tell you that you don't like ranch. And really, you actually do. And so on one hand, it's like part of a recovery meal to have a fat like ranch uh, dressing and part of your nutrition. But it's another to also kind of challenge that as a food rule standpoint and to to have your have that food um, and give yourself permission to have that food. So 
And that can even show up as like having so many food rules that you don't know where to get started when you think about talking back to the food police. I always think if our anxiety is high enough, it's hard for us to really be challenging all of those thoughts. And that's why we just focus on what is my recovery plan? How do I fuel my body? How do I heal my metabolism and my body so that I can start working on this stuff? So it's not you. It just may be where you're at in the process. And it may not. I just wanted to offer this in case that is something that you have experienced. So the next barrier to a potential barrier for you to intuitive eating is maybe that your anxiety is extremely high or you're under a great deal of stress. Some, you know, physical manifestations of anxiety are a lack of appetite or a constant feeling of fullness or edginess or difficulty thinking about what to eat, maybe forgetting what to eat or eating because you're stressed. And that may or may not result in compensatory eating later. So given some of these symptoms, uh, these physical manifestations of anxiety or great stress, it makes sense that, you know, asking yourself to notice if you're hungry or feel fullness can feel very impractical and impossible in these types of moments. I always think like if you were getting ready to give a performance or a speech and, you know, somebody's asking you, hey, are you feeling hungry right now? Or, are you, you know, what are you going to eat for breakfast? What sounds good to you? And you're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I just need to eat a little something. I'm feeling really nervous. My stomach hurts. I don't have an appetite. I just, you know, what, what can I do in that case? Maybe, you know, it's having a smoothie uh, before you go on because you need, know you need fuel, but you also want to be kind to your body and how you're feeling. So, I think, you know, with anxiety and this, it's that's where you can rely on some structured eating and um, using that as, you know, even maybe you use it sometimes and sometimes you don't if you're having a particular stressful day or anxiety and you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm usually hungry for lunch. That's really odd that I'm not and kind of questioning it. And maybe then you have maybe some safer meals, some recovery meals that can be helpful to you or I call them backup meals um, as it relates to anxiety where just these plan B really simple things that you know are appealing to you and sound okay even when you're not feeling as hungry. And the way I think about it is when you're anxious or stressed, it's kind of building food into your day almost like you would sleep or a bathroom break, that it's it's simply important for you to take time to take care of your body and to uh, in order to function. And whether that's to weather the stress or to work um, on getting support uh, for your anxiety or um, allowing your medication to work effectively, if that's something that you take. So Again, nutrition is coming in as these building blocks in these situations, and you may at times be able to practice a lot of the skills of intuitive eating, but there's no shame in relying on some of these more structured approaches as you need them on a particular day. So the last barrier that I tend to see most frequently with intuitive eating is when you are feeling sick or facing an illness, um, if you have a mood disorder like depression or maybe any other mental health conditions that might impair your appetite or your energy or your motivation, maybe it's you know certain medications. Um, you have a lot of clients that have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and for them, um, you know, some of their medications might make their appetite a little less so throughout the day. So we have to plan around that so that they are taking care of their brain and their body and allowing their medications to work effectively. Trauma can also do that for, you know, if, if somebody is gone through trauma and maybe are not yet at a period where they either feel safe in their bodies or are connected to their bodies. And so again, intuitive eating 
and asking them to to do that at that moment in time might feel hard until they've you know worked through um, some of those things or unable to feel a little more connected to their bodies. Or if you're somebody that has faced a great deal of trauma in your life and you regularly just plan out things for yourself to eat and, you know, it's a little bit more of a chore um, or it's not something that, you know, maybe intuitive eating hasn't felt necessarily available to you. There's, again, no shame in that. There's like the other things that we've talked about, there are certainly principles that you can practice um, while also viewing nutrition as self-care and nourishment as a focus and and just really mapping that into your day like you would do anything else um, for your brain and body. So I hope that that helps make sense um, of some of the reasons that maybe no one has spoken to that you've heard of that might have made this confusing. And that it's not necessarily you, it might just be kind of where you're at in the process and that you might want to have these guardrails in place for a little while while you're, you know, whether it's healing your body or, you know, managing anxiety or stress in your life. And, you know, even thinking about like some of your food rules and if your anxiety is high, might be something that you need to break some of those down in terms of challenging them um, and working through them in a similar, similar fashion. So Hopefully this also helps you feel more confident about intuitive eating as well and that it's something that it is, you know, I always think, and I'm sure a lot of people say this, you know, when did this stuff start for you? Uh, It's very common to start to be disconnected from your body and listening to external sources on our portioning of foods, you know, as young as, as preschool. And so it's not anything to be ashamed about if it doesn't feel easy or available to you in the beginning. And it's okay to try some of these things first. And um, maybe that can give you more repetition, more confidence, more connection to your body, some positive experiences. Uh, I was just talking to a client the other day, and we had done um, a structured structured idea for her of um, having a 3 p.m. snack. That wasn't something that she was previously doing. And it just really rippled out into how she felt about what she ate at dinner and how guilty she felt after dinner. And, and she just noticed that that, that physio logical need being met of she used to have this big conversation with herself of why am I wanting dinner at 4:30 what's wrong with me I'm I should still be full I you know this is frustrating and then she was eating you know before her roommates and just yeah you know, by adding that snack and then giving her body some nutrition and nourishment in that hour it rippled out into the rest of her night um, she just felt so much better and um, and then you know as well as like after dinner it was you she still had a snack but it wasn't like it has been for her in the past where she's just having a conversation with herself that she shouldn't have eaten that or what's wrong with her and so it can be so affirming when you're putting this nutrition first and kind of giving yourself a good setup a good reset and then um, allowing you to connect to your body through the principles of intuitive eating, which is fantastic. I mean, I if something if intuitive eating is something that you're interested in, and I'm guessing it is if you've listened to your pod, this podcast, it's so helpful. Um, and it really can be a motivating factor for recovering from an eating disorder or healing your relationship to food. So if you know I, you have any questions, of course, please, again, message me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Email is info at Align Nutrition or support at AlignNutrition.com. And happy to answer any of your questions about this or cover more specific topics around this in the future. So I will look forward to talking to you next month. And until then, I will also add that I am planning on doing a podcast with my friend Sarah Dundar and doing warmer weather tips. 
and strategies as we change seasons. So that shows up with food, clothing, our bodies, social events, etc. So look for that. And again, I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks to you for listening. Find me on Instagram at Align Nutrition. Let me know if you like this or if you have other topics or ideas for the podcast. I love hearing from you. If you've gotten something out of this, help us reach more people who need this message by subscribing in your podcast app. A nice rating and review also helps us reach more people and is so appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time.